It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to the Franchise Academy. And this is a podcast 1,643. <laughs> Just kidding about that. We are recording now for about two years and you could catch our old podcast or our former shows at thefranchiseacademy.com. So as you may know, if you do uh, watch the YouTube lives and if you listen to any of the podcasts. I'm a franchise consultant. I've been in the franchise industry for almost 20 years now, and I help people figure out if franchising is for them or not, because, you know, it's really not for everyone. So I help people understand the pros and cons of really what franchising is and whether, you know, someone has not only the finances to do it, but the mental capacity to do it. You have to be a glass half full type of person in order to really make it successful, in my opinion, anyway. And I'm going to talk to our next next guest about that kind of stuff. Uh, Michael Debenham is with us tonight. And, and Michael has been in franchising even longer than me and has a really, really cool background. Uh, so we're going to pick his brain a little bit about franchising and what he's done. Michael is a seasoned leader and, and a thought leader and a captain of culture here in the franchise industry. He is a um, successful franchisee and also a successful master franchise owner. We're going to talk about what that means, master franchise. He's also a franchisor, now currently owns and is a co-founder of three franchised outfits. And you may know them, Decalash, Legends Boxing, and also American Title Loans. Michael has recently started a franchise development company called Z Sprout. And we're really, really excited to be working with him over on the franchise side of, of what I do. And we do a lot of business with the Z, Z Sprout brand, and especially Decalash for me. I, I love, I don't know if you could talk about my lashes done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Hey, appreciate it, Tom. I'm, I'm good. Hey, this Beautiful is so night. great to have you on. And, and you are in Salt Lake City right now? Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. Very cool. Very different than uh, Long Island, where I am. <laughs> yes, yes. A little bit of different culture. Yeah, it's different. It's a fun place. It's a beautiful place to be from. I, I love everything about it. I couldn't imagine a better place to live. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing place. If you like outdoors, this is a place to be here. Yeah, I love Salt Lake. I love everything about it. You know, even going up towards Park City and all that. I just, oh man, I love it up there. So you're in the franchise industry. How, how did you, you know, somebody just recently said to me, the franchise industry is like Hotel California, the old Eagle song. You could check out, but you could never leave. <laughs> and I feel that way. And I'm sure you do too. How, how did you get into this franchise world? Uh, desperation is honestly the best answer. So uh, I, I had been, you know, I've been an engineer, engineer by trade and um, I had started, I was doing French, originally around the turn of the century, I was doing uh, computer programming and that kind of washed up. So all of a sudden I found myself in 2002, I was uh, basically an unemployed programmer and there was a bunch of us at that point looking for a job. And, and I had, I had started a small company to do this consulting work for 
computers, but when when the jobs ran out, the, the business had no value. And so uh, in 2000, I'll never forget, in 2002, a good friend of mine, a single mom, had a couple, had a few kids. She, she called me up and said, hey, I'm going to go investigate about this franchise. It's called Liberty Tax. And I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to this guy about this franchise. And then I said, do you want to go lunch with us? And I said, sure. But I went with her specifically to talk her out of it. I thought that was a dumb idea. You would never want to buy a franchise. And so I went with her lunch specifically to, to protect her so she wouldn't buy a franchise. And uh, 15 days later, I was a franchisee for Liberty Tax. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, you know, once I kind of got in there and saw, because at the time I, my, my dad had started his own company. And so I kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur but I didn't have the skill set to do it. So I, uh, you know, I, I had been working as an engineer, as a computer programmer, but I didn't really have the skill set to be an entrepreneur. So when I saw a franchise system, I could jump in, I could just kind of follow a system and really, you know, do what I do best, which is just grind it out, be really strong on the, on the grit, on the process of, if they say do something, I'll do, I'll do it twice, right? Right. And, and that's really where I jumped in. And so, I, you know, I, I bought a franchisee 15 days, 15 days later, went to training, we opened up and, uh, you know, we had a very, I had a very, you know, mediocre year. We, we had a decent year, didn't make much money, but I was excited about it. I loved what I was doing. Um, I was broke. I was living in my parents' basement at the time. So I had no other kind of fallback process right. for that. And, and, you know, kind of eventually we, we worked in the process. You know, I, I figured that I, if we could do customer service better than anybody else, we could really look at the touch points and understand why people come in and then really kind of focus on that, that we could have a, a good business. Yeah. So that, that, that store that I started, I mean, it, originally it was, uh, you know, it was just a mediocre store in the company and then became better and better. Eventually I became the number one store in the nation out of 3000 stores. Wow. I mean, so that was, you know, that was the big process. And then, and then in the process I became a master franchise for a couple of different States, which we can, we can talk about that, but that's been a very beneficial thing in my life. Eventually became a vice president of the company. And then in 2009, so that takes me from about 2003 to 2009, I was making about 10 times as a franchisee what I did as an engineer. <laughs> and so, and I was a vice president for the company. And so I went into John Hewitt, who's an amazing mentor and said, look, I, I appreciate it, but I'm making, you know, this is, this job is about 15% of my income. I'm making more as a franchisee. I want to be a franchisee. And so I was able to, I think that's probably the last time I was gainfully employed yeah. was, um, in 2009, working for, for Liberty Tax. So, wow. Well, that's cool. A lot of the listeners may have heard the term master franchise owner or area developer is another term that people use around the same concept. Can you yeah. share your terms, what, what that means, master franchise? Yeah. So I think the legal term right now is area rep, area representative. And so what, what it means is that you're responsible to, you know, you, you purchase the rights to be over a certain area, typically it's geographical. And you're you're responsible to find recruit franchisees in there and support them throughout the process. And in return, you get part of the uh, of the franchise. Typically, you'll get part of the franchise fee and part of the royalties over the mm. life of the contract. Oh wow, yeah, and and that's you know that's lucrative. You're building wealth that way. I was a area developer for uh, Maui Waui Smoothies back in the day, so I kind of did the same thing, and, and I loved it. It was really really rewarding. So it's, it's an interesting play because what's different there is that your customer is not the public, but your customers are your franchisees that are in the territory, the geographic area that you bought. And, and it's usually a large geographic area, depending on population. You know, it could be half of a state in a state like Utah, as an example. 
but you're you're building wealth and you're building a residual income and it's co- you're sort of like the microcosm of the franchise uh, of the franchisor so you're like a microcosm of the home office so you're recruiting people you're training people you're supporting those people uh and you get rewarded for that service with you know a, a piece of the royalties ongoing on on the back end of the franchise it's just another way to say it <laughs> it was amazing and, and i and i was also a franchisee so we had a lot in common in this process and in fact you know i sold that i sold that area rep in 2012 and, and i'm still in contact with uh, quite a few of those franchisees that we're in that process because there's so much commonality. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all excited about doing the same thing. You're going the same way. When they're successful, you're successful. Yeah, that, that really is a. I, I really enjoyed that process. It's probably my favorite time as being a, a master franchise for Liberty Tax. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a great statement. And I'm still friends with some of the people that I was a franchisee with, and I got out of that in 2005. My smoothie franchise. Matter of fact, one of the guys, Mitch York, I just had on this podcast about a month ago. So we're, we're still in contact now, 14 years later. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. What was your secret to being number one out of 3,000 stores? I mean, was it just the customer service and that kind of touch? Well, and we didn't start there. I think number one, I had a really amazing opportunity. And that was when I was, when I first started, I was a couple of years into it and corporate, you know, hired me to come back for the summer to work for them. And so one of the jobs I got at that point was, hey, we want to write, help you write to write our customer service, you know, module on this process. And they call it closing the sale, how to close the sale. And so I went around and I interviewed all the top franchisees in Liberty Tax and said, hey, how are you doing it? And I was one of the top franchisees at that point or one of the better franchisees at that point. And there were so many good ideas that came out of that. And so we would just take them back to my store and implement them. And we would teach them to other franchisees and then go back. But I got a chance to build this support network of top franchisees, ask them really cool questions about how they do it. And then I just would copy it. And if corporate said, hey, you know, we go business to business and hand out donuts just to introduce ourselves, right? And they'd say, you know, today I hand out 30 donuts, 30 dozen donuts. And I would buy 40 because I just wanted to be, you know, just do that a little bit more, bit more and just kind of doing that consistently over time. So we built it on customer service. We would go and we would take and say, okay, what are the, what are the touch points that come? They'll call in. So we would actually go in and train the receptionist. And then we, we'd say they come through the door. So we would train greeting. And I'm not kidding. We would actually you know, do a, an hour training where we would have people walk out, walk in, and we would role play how to greet them and, you know, how to introduce them, how to fill out the forms, how to introduce them, you know, get them a, a can of Coke, whatever it took, you know, for that process. And we would role play that for an hour. And so we just consistently, we would bring somebody on, we train them for eight hours in, in just our culture. And then we would, for an hour a week, we would do it, have a training every week. And I think that consistency is what made it the number one store. So we started you know, average than good, than better, than best. And eventually we had the top revenue producing store in the history of Liberty Tax. Wow. That's impressive, Michael. <laughs> That's really impressive because they have, as you said, well, it's more than 3,000 stores now. But among 3,000 stores being number one producer, uh, that is a story. And I feel that, you know, what I'm hearing is kind of uh, going the extra mile, the tenacity, just like, you know, any, if you speak to anyone who's done anything in their life, whether it's you know, pro sports or acting or whatever. I just remember watching a video recently of Will Smith, the actor, and and Will Smith said, you know, I will just keep on going. I will not stop. And I remember specifically he said, if I was, you know, challenged somebody on a treadmill, one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to drop dead or I'm going to win. I'm, You know, that's it. I'm not going to stop. And I think that's a big part of franchising is going the extra mile. 
And one thing that I was kind of always impressed with, and I share the story all the time is, you know, a big, big franchise, especially here in the Northeast where I live is Dunkin' Donuts. And the guy who has the local, local Dunkin' Donuts here in my town has it for probably 30 years now. But I remember when my son was young in grade school and he's 25 now. So going back, you know, a ways, I remember he would have that Friday spelling test. You know, you, you know, you're in second grade, you get like 10 words every Friday. And if you got a hundred, you would get a free, a free donut coupon at Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought about it until I really got into franchising myself. But you know, what would happen is I would find myself, uh, you know, in Dunkin' Donuts with that coupon spending $8 on iced coffees for my wife and I. So <laughs> it was just incremental revenue for that franchisee. But you know, that's the extra mile going and talking to the school board and getting the approval to do that and, and all that kind of stuff. A lot of franchisees just won't do it. They'll be like, well, you know, I get enough people coming in the door. I don't, I don't need it. And I don't know if this guy made an, an extra $8 a week or an extra $8,000 a week with those coupons, but it definitely drove more traffic. And, and it's just to your point going the extra mile. Yeah. I like to challenge myself, right? Like, so I would buy 40 just because they were sitting around the, the office and I'd feel bad if they didn't get distributed. Right. And so it was, you would do, you'd set yourself up in ways that you had to get it done in order to accomplish something. You know, I, I recently signed up for, it's called escape from Alcatraz. I swam from Alcatraz into the Golden Gate State Park yeah. mid triathlon and, and I don't swim. Right. So I, I mean, I swam when I was eight in the pool or something. So I made the lottery. I had to figure out and go practice swimming every day but it wasn't like i i didn't have the motivation to do it on my own hmm. but by having like a, a definitive something out there with a triathlon in that case it really forces you to do it by by you know taking things and just forcing you you know buying the 40 dozen donuts instead of the 30 so you have to take them out has been our secret to this process so good so well said you have to set yourself up like that and i remember if um you, you probably will recall just about a month ago at the Franchise Conference, Jeff Elgin, the founder of Franchise, was talking about setting himself up for success in his insurance business like 40 years ago. And to be successful, he would challenge himself to take a cold shower in the morning before he would start work. And he would have to take a cold shower every day until he hit his goals. <laughs> and so it was like a negative motivator, but it got him there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he, I think he said that uh, he had hit a year target and he got there on like February 15th or something. That's exactly right. 45 days he'd gotten to his year target because he didn't want to take a cold shower. That's right. That'll do it for you if you could find something that you dislike that much and make it your punishment if you don't do the behavior. You know, it's yeah, we could talk, we could do a whole podcast just about that probably. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. What would you do differently in franchising if you could do it again? Man, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like I like kind of won the lottery, right? I, I investigated one franchise for 15 days and it turned out to be the perfect match for me. You know, that doesn't normally happen, right? And and I mean, I, I probably should have investigated 100, picked out the one I wanted. Right. So if I were to do it again, I would use a franchise consultant. Yeah. Just because, uh, simply because, I yes, I lucked into the perfect match, but it could have easily not been the perfect match, right, for me. And so having somebody who knows about 100 brands and can kind of point you the right way and find out what your wants and desires are and say, hey, this would be a nice match. Also financially, right, this is something you're qualified to, to own. And so if I were to do it again, I would 100% use a franchise consultant. I think that would, that's a big, a big thing. You know, just getting lucky, just having that bigger pool to choose from that way. Well, you know, thank you for the plug. I have to say that. But, you know, all kidding aside... You know, you don't know what you don't know. 
And I was just saying to somebody recently, actually a family member, uh, they were saying, you know, I, I think I could go out, you know, I'm a business person, I could figure it out. I'm like, but you don't know the questions to ask. And matter of fact, I have my, my fourth book coming out, which is 138 questions that you don't know to ask about franchising. <laughs> I love that title. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's actually going to be 138 frequently unasked questions. <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, it's really, 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 you just don't know. And it's, a, and it's a different, it's, it's not the same game as business. You know, it's, it's a, it's a different game. Although it's under the same umbrella kind of, you know, business, it's, it's just a different game. So, and the other thing to know is, you know, for, you, you know, we have a hundred great franchises. You also got to know that there are 4,000 franchises and probably 20, the 2,000 of them are just really not good business models at all. But you wouldn't know that, you know, you, you might love a particular, you know, my, somebody just asked me recently, what, what's your number one, you know, don't do when you're buying a franchise and then just don't become infatuated with the concept, you know, sure. and, and don't buy it from the consumer's perspective. Like, oh, I, I love hamburgers. So I'm going to buy a five guys. That is not a reason to buy a five guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love hamburgers too, but I don't want to own that business. You know, it doesn't fit my lifestyle. Don't get me wrong. It's a great business, good model, you know, good management team, good return on investment. But it's seven days a week, nights and weekends is majority of when that store is open and all the headaches and blah, blah, blah. So oh, I, I really think the last franchise you should own is what you're passionate about. Right. I think I think that you should own. I think you should not be the best person in your in your business to do what you're doing. Right. I, I truly believe that I, I'm not a tax guy, but I can do customer service. And that was much more valuable. If I knew how to tax, I've been sucked into doing taxes. And it would have been not nearly the financial result. But if I knew I knew I could do customer service, didn't have any interest in taxes, and that's where I think became successful. And 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 you're probably very right about that. And it's subjective, I think, in a lot of ways. But I always say to folks, try to find a business that has nothing to do with your hobbies and your passion, but find something that's going to give you ultimately the time and the money so you could do your passion or your hobby until your heart's content. Yeah, for sure. I feel very strongly about that notion. Um, well, so what advice, I mean, you kind of st struck on this a little bit already, but what kind of advice would you give to somebody that is looking at buying a franchise right now, aside from calling me, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest and straight on. When I, when I bought the franchise, right, I, I was living in my parents' basement because I was looking for a job at that point. And, you know, a year, year and a half into it, I, I remember distinctively going to the bank and, and, you know, the first year I really didn't have any money and, and went to the bank and, and I, I had three bank accounts. So I had a personal bank account. I had, I had two business bank accounts. And I remember looking at, as the banker pulled up my bank accounts, you could see that all three had zero balances on it. In fact, they had negative balances because they were, they were actually in the red. And I was talking about business and I was actually in there trying to get more credit on those credit cards. And he was saying, you know, how long have you been in business? Since 18 months. He said, you know, I, I see a lot of people come through here. And he's like, I, there's something about that third year where they really just kind of pick up steam and, and it, it kind of gave me the motivation to go on. And remember, I, you know, I started this because I was broke and, and now it's a year and a half later, I'm even more broke. And, you know, sure enough, that next year I made a little bit of money. And then the year after that, I made what I consider a good amount of money. And then I made a lot of money after that. And then it was double a lot of money and double that eventually. I mean, so it became this, like, it's the best decision I made, but I'll say that, you know, my advice is stick to it. Like, you know, a year into it, I would have been like, Oh, if I can turn back the keys, I'd gladly do it. But you learn the system, you know, you, you stick to it. And, and now I can firmly say, man, it's the best financial decision. And also one of the 
coolest things I've ever done because I have a lot more freedom on time. Like I really do take advantage of going on vacation. You know, I've been last month. I've been in Jamaica and Mexico. Not and, too shabby, huh? On different trips with the family. So yeah, I mean, I, I really would say that that just kind of stick to it. Get your support group. Right. You know, I, I had uh, what I didn't realize when I became the franchisee is how much that would become part of my life. And and I, I said because. You know, the other franchisees, you have so much commonality. You, you know, you, you talk to each other, you know, what are you doing for the ideas? You're complaining about employees. You know, you're talking about corporate. And, and three of those guys that were franchisees were in my line when I got married. Mm. But it's become a big part of your life. And, and the franchise award itself, you know, John, Ment- John Hewitt's a mentor to me, becomes a big part of your life. So pick, the other part is pick a franchise you're comfortable with. You know, go meet them. You know, say, can I hang out with these guys and, and ladies for, for 10 years and, and enjoy my life? And I would say... You know, find a fit that personally fits for you with with the people inside of it. Ultimately, it's just a people organization. Wow, really well said. I really love that. And and you know, I just I feel the same way. I mean, I, I'm just, I still talk to the CEO of um, Maui Waui or the former CEO now because he's sold the business. But Michael Haith, you know, I, I still talk to him. He was a mentor. We spoke almost daily when I first bought the franchise. Oh wow, yeah. I was like, I was like bugging him like crazy. Because uh, I was a government worker. I had no idea what to do. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he really, really, really helped me. And, and it, it was amazing. It's like you, you you look back on that and you're like, wow, man, if I didn't make that decision, you know, I mean, I could honestly say you and I would not know each other. That's for sure. We would have never met. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No podcast. You know, I mean, it's it's so weird when you think about that kind of thing, because I, I feel the same way. I mean, I had a government job. I mean, you couldn't get fired from the job. I mean, I. A government job, you don't even have to work. You just show up and you get paid, you know? And, yeah. and But that's what I didn't like about it. You know, I wanted to actually do more, have more of an impact. And even my, my mom would say, you, you, you know, in the smoothie franchise, you're killing yourself. You're working so hard. And I'm like, yeah, but it's my baby. It doesn't feel like work at all. I love it. Love it. And I do it on my terms. Oh, yeah. My, my sister's been looking at I've gotten through the process of, of buying a franchise and looking at a franchise. And I was like, you know, going to be you know you can see the and i remember that anxiety when i bought it like you know am i doing the right decision am i doing it but i can only say from my from my own experience it was the best decision i made and i told my sister that i said look you know at first it's going to be hard it's going to suck you're going to wonder why you did it i go but you know having done it there's some really cool things on the other side mm-hmm. that that i love that i you know really enjoy about life about being a franchise i'm so passionate about franchising just because i've been a success story right and i agree with you i mean it's it's like you know, I, I, and I, you know, I want to ask you more questions, but I, I just so identify with what you're saying. I, I, you know, I just so feel the same way in, in that, you know, I, I'm working in the New York City subway f- for 13 years and, and quit, bought a franchise within five years, built three locations, sold it, and, and a semi-retired at 41 years old. I, like, how do you do that anywhere, you know? And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing what they told me to do. And it really worked out. It was really a blessing. And uh, it was, it's just incredible looking back on it. And, and I always share with my candidates, listen, when you buy a franchise, it's going to take you a good year to be comfortable in your own skin. A good year. And even if you're making money, it's still going to be really tough because it's totally different. But if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's the thing. And, and the greatest things in life, the things that have the best rewards, the sweetest rewards, always take work and, and take time. Oh, yes, for sure. You've started three franchises. So 
tell us the franchises and what's the biggest mistakes that you see franchisors make the franchise companies as they're growing? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I've seen both sides of it. I've been a franchisee. I've been a franchisor. So the first one I started was called American Title Loans. It's it's basically like a payday loan type store. I mean, and we we took the same principle uh, that we did in Liberty Tax, where I said, hey, we can do customer service really well, and then that was our guiding principle. We said, hey, we want to have people come in. We want to we want to give loans. We want to do it in a very professional manner, and we want to bring customer service to an industry that's been very poor in customer service, and it was amazingly successful. To do that, you know, we quickly went from, you know, one to eight stores, we franchised it, some regulatory changes have changed that industry. But, you know, then we, I met up with uh, somebody who had uh, Michael, Michael Blair, he had four eyelash extension studios. And we, you know, I was like, this is a really franchisable concept. So we franchised that back in, we became partners, franchised that process. And that's really been a, a very positive thing. But we started out from day one, like we, a lot of people in Deca Lash have been franchisees before. A lot of the employees are friends of mine, they're people that that we know. And so we said, hey, let's let's find a franch, let's build a franchise that we want to be a franchisee for. Hmm. And that was kind of the guiding, guiding principles into it. And so, you know, I would say know your customers, know who the, this the franchisee is, and and really, you know, focus on what on kind of what their their wants and desires are on. Treat them like, you know, like a customer like you would gold. Hmm. And and that's where I see sometimes franchisors you know, make mistakes, they get a little adversarial and I don't quite understand why, but you know, they're, they're not, you know, it's, it's kind of this back and forth. I, I really think that your, your franchise, he's the ultimate customer. You yeah. know, one, one thing I really liked about John Hewitt is when you asked him kind of, Hey, why did he do what he did? And he started two brands at over 5,000 stores, each franchises. And, you know, he, he said, he would say just off the top of his head, he said, you know what I've, I've created, and he had some number like 3,542 millionaires. And he was very proud of the fact that he had, you know, created, had enriched people's lives in that way. And so I think if you look at it from that point of view that, hey, you know, everybody's just a struggling person that wants to come in, wants to be supported and, and just looking from a customer service point of view, I think that's a big, big value. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And yeah, John Hewitt is uh, huge in the industry now and, and definitely a great guy. And, and then there's um, Legends Boxing too, right? Yeah, so Legends Boxing's been a, a fun fitness. It's, it's boxing fitness, but it's been a fun, uh, a fun new kind of venture. I'm, I've always had a passion for fitness myself, so it's it's been a little bit of a passion project. But um, I'll tell you what, it's it's amazing to see people's lives change uh, through fitness, and it's been amazing to, to see the franchisees come in and you know take something they love and they want to do, and, and really feel like they're helping the community out in the process. Yeah. I agree. And then I have to do a little shout out for Michael and Jen Blair from Decalash. Great folks. I just spoke with them last week. I have a former candidate that bought a store and had a really serious life issue. And there's a fantastic store for sale in Decalash. <laughs> if anybody's listening in New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, great store for sale for Decalash eyelash extensions. And man, do those guys, man, they do well. And so just a lot of fun. Actually, we're in Long Island. We're, we're probably an hour and a half away from that location. But my wife loves that. And she's um, a big fan of eyelash, you know, extensions. And, and it looks natural. She's actually thinking about going to school for it. <laughs> she's into it so much. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is definitely addictive. And that's really nice thing. It's a recurring revenue model, right? But, but I'll also give you a plug for Mike and Jenna. They've been amazing partners to be partners with. You know, it's been... 
one of the hardest things you can do in a business is have a partner. And one of the best things you can do is have a partner with some good partnership. And so yeah. it's, uh, it's been a, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of understanding on, on both sides to be in the process, but couldn't pick a better couple of people and just genuinely care about other people. Right. Just genuinely care about, yeah. you know, response comes in from a, from a franchisee and you can just tell, like, I mean, they, you know, take it seriously. They really want to solve the problem. They really want to uh, help the person out. Yeah. They're ver- all about it. So they're, they're good people. So you've been a franchisee, you've been a franchisor, you've been a master franchise owner. Now you started Z Sprout, which is a development company for franchises. So like, why this now? <laughs> well, I, I realize I'm still a franchisor. So, I mean, the easy answer is simply that, you know, I consider myself a franchisee success story. And the, I'm the most passionate when I get a chance to to talk to people and to help them kind of, see, you know, see people in the same shot, same shoes and, and see them, you know, succeed. I remember Liberty Tax. I mean, a good example, like we were all poor when we came in, right? And it was fun to have that group of poor people. And eventually, like, the, you know, the, you buy a used car, a new used car, and there was a new car, and then it was a bigger house. And it was just fun to watch the houses get bigger, you know, the boats start being bought. It's fun to kind of rise with everybody, the same process. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what's really passionate about franchise development is you can see people that, you know, want freedom. You know, they have a job. They think they have secure, you know, they're they're unsecure about this, quote, secure job. Right. Mm. And to see them be able to uh, eventually work their way out of that job, you know, to achieve, you know, f- the financial freedom as well as the freedom of time that they want. So that's been really cool. And we have some amazing franchisees. I could just go down, you know, list of franchisees at Decalast. The very first one, Steve Gordon, amazing guy. Right. It's so fun to watch them kind of achieve their goals in life. So that's why I love franchise development. And then, and I think there's just a place for it where there's a franchisor that somebody who's been in from both a franchisee and franchisor point of view, because there's a balance line, right? Both both sides have points and there's a balance in there. Someone that can kind of, you know, walk both sides of it. And and that's kind of where we've been been focused on. Hey, we just want to be, you know, a good source of reason, place people where there's a good natural fit. And then, and then also, you know, not place people where there's not a fit. Yeah, very important. Just because you have money does not mean that you're buying a franchise. You know, a good franchise is going to award franchises only to people that they feel could build the concept in their neighborhood. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you want you want to fit on both sides, right? You want to fit as as a franchisee, you want the fellow franchisees to be good, good quality, high quality person. Yeah. So. It's definitely got to be a two-way evaluation in the process. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, what, what would you say to somebody if they're brand new, never looked at franchising, and they're talking to some franchisor, just randomly they picked out, and the franchisor is telling, you know, promising them the world and cutting deals for them so they buy? Like, you don't want to be part of that franchise. You just really don't. I, I mean, you want to be, because, yes, they might have been over backwards for it, but, you know, you want to be a two-year, two-way evaluation street. I, I, I mean, I've hosted a lot of discovery days where people come in and look at the franchise and, you know, somebody will show up, you know, 20 minutes late and, you know, we, and they'll go home and say, we're going to buy a franchise. We're like, yeah, no, we're not going to sell your franchise. And then they're shocked, right? They're, they're, they don't realize it's a two-way evaluation. You want a franchisor that cares about the quality of franchisees. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that this person's a high quality person, but you know, a good quality franchisor is going to stick their line. They're going to have their policies and their, and their processes and mm-hmm. um, they're going to believe in them. And, you know, they're going to, kind of enforce that process. What are you, what's, what are you most excited about right now for Z Sprout? You know what? I'm really excited about the team we have in place. They're just some really fun people. We did a, we did a retreat last week in, uh, in Catalina and got a good chance to kind of spend time 
and, and decide what we want it to be as a company. We set our, our mission, our values, and uh, man, it's really fun to be with people that are passionate about that, are passionate for the right reasons. Like they want to put people in places where they can really change their lives. And, uh, you know, we have a, a passion to change people's lives. That's that's what, and, and I, I've seen it down to the member. Everybody in our team is kind of in there for that reason. It's fun to be part of something you have a purpose for. That's so cool. Absolutely. It's so great. What's one myth about franchising that you would like to bust right here, right now? <laughs> the, the biggest one is that, you know, th- there's this idea that somehow you're more secure in a job. And even kind of the verbiage around that is around, you know, I'm going to take the safe option, right? You're not, we've all been laid off or have friends or family have been laid off, right? Like you're only guaranteed the, the stuff you've been, that you've already worked. I mean, you may come to work tomorrow and find that there's not a job there. What I what I loved about franchising and being a business owner is nobody can fire me. Right. Like nobody can take that away from me. And, you know, nobody can tell me I'm making too much money, <laughs> which, which, you know, bosses have done. I mean, just being very honest, at one point, I actually, you know, started making more money than I kind of thought possible. I went to a therapist because I was having such a hard time with kind of mental constructs. that I did, It was just more than I thought was was possible. Wow. Or what, what, I, what I kind of was deserving of. Yeah. And it really did actually take going to a, to a therapist, kind of sort that out, the, the guilt around that process. That's a whole nother podcast right there as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I have some of that stuff that happened with me too. Just amazing that that happens. I'm, I'm trying to stop myself from going down that road because I got a lot to say about that. But, um, you know, the podcast. It's just a whole nother podcast. Yeah, a whole nother podcast, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, I don't... It's, it's crazy. I wanted to um, ask you about all the ribbons I see in the background in your office there. Is that... What kind of sports is that? Uh, there's bike races and triathlons and some half Ironmans in there. There's a 200-mile bike race in there, a few of those. and Oh, cool. So, yeah, there's... I, you know, that's my challenge. I, you, you know, I, I bought a franchise not knowing... I, I always kind of challenge myself. I kind of create these impossible circumstances and then I, I go out and try to solve them. So I'll sign up for a triathlon where you have to swim across San Francisco Bay and then I'll figure out how to swim or I'll buy a franchise and I have to figure out how to, how to swim, how to uh, survive and then how to thrive in that process. So, yeah. you know, I'm a big about just, you know, kind of setting the, setting the goal and then just kind of, you know, do something that you almost can't back out of. Now you have to figure out a ways to make it happen. Yeah. Well said. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? You know, I have a friend, I have a guy that I know, um, and, and he's got to be worth, you know, hundreds of millions or, or close to it. And one time I, I was with him when he had a business deal that was going south, right? So somebody had really just kind of embezzled and, and taken a bunch of money from him and the whole, the whole business venture was falling apart. And he was amazingly calm. Wow. And I was like, you know, how are you able to do this? And he's like, you know what? He's like, I lose half as much as I win. Right. He's like, you can't go into this and not expect to lose some of these. And this is kind of one of those. So he had this philosophy like, hey, it's okay to lose some of these. I just have to win, you know, a little bit more than I lose. Right. Each time. And that's, that's how I do it. So that was a really kind of a nice thing for me to say, hey, you can, you know, you don't have to be perfect in this process. You don't have to, you can fail at this a few times, meaning that, you know, you can, you can even start it like, you know, when I started, we didn't have fantastic tax seasons, right? You can even kind of fail at a tax season and get better and better each year. And, um, yeah, you know, it's give yourself permission to fail. That's a big, big thing, you know, and, and I went through my whole life trying not to fail at anything. And then I did fail in, in a franchise and, it, you know, I cried back then, but now I look at it 11 years later as like the biggest blessing of my life to yeah. go through that. It's 
you know, made me a much stronger person, a wiser person. And I wrote a book about it. I mean, it's just so much good came out of that. And now I can actually talk to somebody who wants to buy a franchise and they're, and they're going down the wrong road. And I could say, listen, you could do what you want, but let me tell you, I've been in your shoes and you don't want to do that. And if they do, they do. But, but I could say with confidence, I've been there, man. I've done it. Really. I've really done it. <laughs> and it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> What's one piece of parting advice that you would like to share with, with the listeners before we sign off? <laughs> Big piece of parting advice. You know what I, I, I really believe is there's no magic shot. Like everybody wants a seeker. Like what, what, what did you do to be at the number one store? What did you do to be successful at? I mean, there is no secret. It's just a bunch of small decisions made, you know, the right, like every decision, trying to make the right decision. I mean, if, if you do enough that enough times, you know, do the right thing with the customers enough times, there's a bigger reward for it, for sure. There's a financial reward uh, in addition to kind of just doing the right thing. Yeah. And it is so great. It's really, it's really all about helping people, right? If you can, it was Zig Ziglar who said, if you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want in life. And I think that is the whole basis of franchising, that, that one statement. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel pretty strongly about that. You were talking about earlier about interviewing franchisees successful franchisees in Liberty Tax and getting best practices. Did you ever put that in writing anywhere? Uh, yeah, actually, there's some videos too. Like we did the closing sale videos where we talk about how you close the, close the sale in a, and it's in a tax return process, but the principles kind of apply anywhere. In fact, that, that, those have been the best principles for the last thing. And it really, it's, really, it's about just, you know, it's greeting, it's customer service, it's how, you, it's how they make it feel, it's, making, it's answering objections. I mean, there's a very... You know, it's just some very basic steps, but just making sure that you train those over and over and over again. Fantastic. Yeah, I'd like to check that out someday. And and again, we could probably do a podcast on that. So, so now we have three more podcasts we have to do. <laughs> oh, absolutely, Tom. And, I, and I, you know, I would love to, I'd love to go down that kind of rabbit hole we were talking about, you know, and just talk about like, hey, because there is a whole psychology around, you know, not limiting yourself. Yeah. And it's really easy to do. It's easy to sabotage your own success. Oh, no question about it. It's, I think it's the biggest, you know, disappointment in people's lives is that they, they stop themselves from being successful, taking a chance, taking a risk because we're taught to, you know, play to not lose instead of playing to win. And once you change that attitude, then you can have some real great success in your job, in your business, whatever it might be, or in your hobby or sport, whatever you love to do but you got to play to win and you have to take risks. Go for it. Don't worry about failing. Don't worry about getting dirty. Yeah. But that's good stuff. How could people reach you for further information about any of your franchises or maybe pick your brain personally about best practices? Yeah. Just uh, come to the website, zsprout.com. My email address is just my initials, MD at zsprout.com. Would love to, I'm always open to talk to people. I, I mean, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love to do. And I'm, I'm always pick up, you know, game to pick up the phone and have a conversation and really dig in. That's awesome. And I appreciate that offer. And we'll put that information on the franchiseacademy.com where all the podcasts live. So you can visit that website and you could get a lot of information there about franchising, a lot of information about Z Sprout and Legends Boxing and Decalash and everything great that's going on in the Z Sprout world. So, uh, Michael, I want to thank you for your time and, and your wisdom uh, sharing it here on the Franchise Academy. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, and we'll talk to you real soon. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. 
For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration. 